We're studying the book of Ephesians, and I'm uh, glad that you're here tonight. Hallelujah. So I don't know if the parents are happy or sad that school's out. I can never figure it out. Hallelujah. Um, it's happy for the first day. Hallelujah. Um, glory to God. But I'm great, grateful you're here tonight. We left off last week in Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to read um, verse 16 and run into it. And then we're going to pick up in chapter 2. But in verse 16 it says, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. So this is what we call the Ephesians prayer. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Everybody say, I have the spirit of wisdom, revelation, and the knowledge of him. That the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. Well, if you go to church here any time at all, you've heard that over and over again. I pray that over you every time I preach. Because there's no reason for me to preach if you don't get some light. There's no reason for me to sit up here and flap my gums because they're not, you know, I want you to get something. So it's not just the preacher, it's the receiver. And so you have to, in order to get revelation, in order for you to get wisdom, the word of God is wisdom. In order for you to get all that revelation, understanding and knowledge of him. It comes from the Word of God. There's a, there's a lot of knowledge out there, but the knowledge you really need is the knowledge of Him. And so the, I pray that your eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, flooded with light, that you may know what the hope of His calling. You know, a lot of people are confused today. There's a lot of identity crisis out there. A lot of identity crisis. Well, you can only find your true identity in Him. You can't even find out who you are till you find out who He is. There's a bigger revelation that than maybe you know. See, if you're struggling with anything of identity of who you are or what you're supposed to do in life and, you know, what am I supposed to be when I grow up? You know, people are still struggling with that at 50. What am I supposed to be when I grow up? Well, you'll never figure out what you were supposed to be when you grew up until you found out him. That you would know the hope of his calling and then he lets you know what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance. Ooh, we spent some good time on that. Did you know you have an inheritance? And you're an heir and a joint heir with the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything the father has is his and he turned around and gave it to you. You are a co-equal heir with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's good news. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power? We looked at the power of God that was raised Jesus up from the dead. According to the working of his mighty power is the greatest display of power. When he wrought in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and set him in his own right hand in heavenly places. For 21, far above. Everybody say far above. above. Doesn't matter how big the demon gets, Jesus is above it. Doesn't matter what the devil's trying to do, where he's trying to do it at, the name of Jesus is above it. Hallelujah. There's been given a name that's above every name, and at the name every knee has to bow and tongue has to confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every knee bows. Everything that's got a name has to bow to the name of Jesus. Woo-wee. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So far above. All principality, power, might, dominion, every name that's named, not only in this world, but that which is to come. And he's put all things. How many is all? 
all means all, all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things of the church, which is the body of the fullness of him that fills all in all. So since we're reading real good, let's just keep going. Ephesians 2, 1, and he has, and you he has quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversations in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we were by nature. So that's the word we're going to look at. The children, we were by nature a children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, he has quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. Amen. And he has raised you up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So we're going to start at verse 6 and work backwards. You have, how many of you know, Jesus was raised from the dead. The greatest display of power, Colossians 2.15. And having spoiled principalities and powers, the Lord Jesus made a show of the devil openly. In other words, it wasn't done quietly. It wasn't done in secret. It was done openly. First, it was openly done in hell. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2 that the Lord did not leave Jesus' soul in hell. That's not talking about King David. It's talking about the King of kings and the Lord of lords. If he didn't go to hell, then you got and I'm glad he did and I don't got him. But on the third day when it was finished, remember what the Bible says, if the demons would have known, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. And Lord of glory, it, it, that's, the, that's the indication that you wanted because the Lord of glory, all the power of God, all the Lord of glory, the Lord of the heavenly host, the Lord himself, if they would have known that what they were about to do was going to be the biggest, most colossal mistake they were ever going to make because they were happy because they thought they got the last Adam just like they got the first Adam, but they were altogether wrong. It was the plan of God the whole time. It was a mystery. The devil don't know everything. He thinks he does, but he don't know everything. One thing he does know right now is his time is short. That's what he knows. That's why he's acting so crazy. But thank God on the third day. Father said, that's enough. And the Holy Ghost went into the bowels of hell. And the Bible says the greatest display of power ever that happened that ever was needed to happen, has happened, will ever happen, it's not when the earth was formed. It's not when Jesus came to earth. It's not when the rapture happens. It's not this. It's not that. The greatest display of power was when Jesus was raised from the dead. Why? Because you and I were quickened together with him. It's like you were there. When you say, I believe that Jesus is the son of God, I believe that he was raised from the dead. It's like you go back in time 
Now, I don't like those time traveling movies. They always mess me up because they can do whatever they want whenever they want. So I don't like to watch any of them. But I do understand this somehow, some way. In 2023, last Sunday, when we had people get born again, when we had people come back to the Lord, when they got born again and believed in their heart for the first time, when you're out ministering to somebody, last uh, Mother's Day, when somebody got born again in the parking lot, right here at Cornerstone, Word of Life Church, hallelujah. The parking lot people know how to get people born again here. Hallelujah. And so um, what happened was, though, immediately they touched what Jesus did. It was resurrection day for them. Because the Bible says in Ephesians 2.6 that we were raised together with him. We were raised. And so there's so much to know and so much to talk about. But we were raised together with him. And he made us sit together. How many know that Jesus is seated? You don't sit down until the work is finished. I said, you don't sit down till the work is finished. Remember when he was on the earth, he told Mary, don't touch me. He said, because I've not yet ascended to my father and your father. What did he have? He had the blood, his blood in his hand to go put on the mercy seat. But as soon as he put the blood on the mercy seat, he sat down. Hallelujah. It's finished. It's totally done. The work is over. And when he sat down, the Bible says in Ephesians 1, we looked at it, that he's seated far above. I said he's seated far above. So it doesn't matter. I know in our circles, and you got to know, you have authority over the devil. We're probably going to look at it because when I go this direction, I always go there. You have authority over the devil. But the devil's not your problem. He's a defeated foe. The devil's not my problem. So well, he's sure acting like my problem. He's everywhere. He's everywhere. He's stealing and he's killing and he's destroying. Yes, that's what he does. But you're seated above it. Now, let's not be those Christians who like, because everything that's going on, well, the devil did it. Some of you are too young. But, you know, Flip said, the devil made me do it. Y'all remember Flip Wilson? <laughs> Say they don't. <laughs> the devil made me do it, right? They don't remember. <laughs> anyway, but it's what he said, and he's wrong. Because the devil can't make you do anything. Well, I have this habit. This is who I am. No, it's not. Not if you're born again. If you're in Christ, you don't have to put up with that. I said, you don't have to put up with that. In Christ, you don't have to have an identity crisis. In Christ, you don't have to be sick. You don't have to be poor. You don't have to be confused. You don't have to. You don't have to. You don't have to. But you got to find yourself in him. That's why you got to know the hope of his calling. And then you got to know that he sat down. And when he sat down, it's because it is finished. Remember, he said that on the cross. It is finished. What's finished? Well, the old covenant's fulfilled, right? His mission on earth finished. Right? And the devil ruling and reigning, that's finished too. Because remember when he got up in the book of Revelation, I knew I'd go here because I love talking about it. Because when he got up out of heaven, he appeared to John the Revelator and he said, I got some keys. Right? He said, I was dead, but now I'm alive. He said, I'm the first begotten from among the dead. Hallelujah. And he had keys to what? So death has no more. Death, where is your sting? Death, where is your sting? It's swallowed up in victory. What's the victory? I know where I'm going. Hallelujah. We're not getting up a load tonight, but we're, but I'm telling you, there's, there's, there's nothing, there's no, there's no sting anymore even. And then finally one day, that's the last enemy that the Bible says will be put underfoot. That's the last enemy. That means all the other enemies have already been put underfoot. 
So the devil, are you with me? You understand? The devil's not your problem. The devil's not my problem. Sometimes he'd like to make me think he's my problem. But see, if I get to, uh, and yes, I have authority. You need to know your authority as a believer. But, if you, but you start from a victory standpoint. And you're seated above. Why? Because I'm seated in him. I'm seated in him. One of the worst things you can do is become overly demon conscious. And it happens in our circle all the time. You know, you got to figure out the name of every spirit. You got to cough them up, spit them up. You got to, you got to, uh, you know, you got to go to somebody who's a demon caster outer. Uh, you know, even, even it gets weird with people that are saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. You, you, you can't be possessed with the devil. You're possessed by God. Can you have something messing with your soul? Yeah, but you have authority over that. You need to renew your mind. I'm not going here. Hallelujah, but you got to, come on. The devil would love you to chase him around. Come on. This is how you deal with the devil. Shut up and come out. You try it. Say, shut up and come out. That's all there is to it. I don't know why these people think they need to talk to devils. Why would you want to talk to a liar? He ain't telling you the truth. I don't know why we're talking about this. Come on. Don't, don't go charismatic crazy. Charismatic is a good thing, but don't go crazy. L- listen to me. You're seated above it. Did I lose anybody? Well, I, I, you know, no. You're seated above it. And you've been given a name that's above every name. It's all about staying in your seat. The psalmist said, there's a table spread for me in the presence of my enemy. So it doesn't matter what the devil does to show up. If you'll stay seated at the table, if you'll stay seated in him, come on, are you with me? That's the fight. Hebrews, this is not my notes, obviously. Hebrews chapter three and verse four talk about the pl- a place in God called rest. Now in the old covenant, oh my goodness, here we go. The old covenant, there was a real Sabbath rest, meaning that there was a particular day you couldn't do anything on. And I think it's fine that if you want to rest and not do anything, your body could use it. But that's not what that is talking about there. That the Sabbath rest is talking about to new covenant believers is a place of faith and rest in God. And you're not really in faith until you're at rest. You're not going to really win in the victories that God has provided for you unless you are at a place of rest. Where do you rest? Seated. Are you with me? Seated. Where? Far above. If the devil is under Jesus' feet, remember Genesis said, what, what did God say? He said, okay, you and this, the woman and you, you're going to, because of all this, now you're going to have enmity, but I'm going to send someone and you may bruise his heel. But I like a modern translation because it says, but I like it what it says. It says, but he's going to crush your head. And I'll say it again. He's going to crush your head. In other words, Jesus is going to know that he, that he, he was in a battle, but his feet's not sore anymore. Hallelujah. He's seated far above. He's seated far above. And you and I are in him 
And we used to sing an old charismatic song. He's under my feet. You remember that one? That's a good one for you to remember when the devil shows up. He's under your feet. As long as you're seated. The devil, what's he trying to do? Get you up. Get you paying attention to things. To get you riled up, frustrated, irritated. Get your focus on other things. But if you're in Christ and you're seated, you're far above. So Ephesians 2, 6 says, and he has raised us up together. Hallelujah. Everybody say, I've been raised up. And I'm seated in heavenly places. Like that second song we were singing, talking about. Far above, right? Go to verse uh, number 1, Ephesians 2, 1. And he has quickened. He has quickened and he has uh, those who were dead. So quickened means to make alive. So at one time, you and I were dead. And so a lot of people don't understand this. There is a natural death where you succeed, you, you're no longer here on the earth. That's a natural death. But there's also spiritual death. And if someone dies naturally while they're dead spiritually, they're eternally dead. So, but when you and I give up the ghost, when we die here we're alive already. We're experiencing eternal life now. The Bible says to be absent from your body as a born-again person means that you're present with the Lord. Nobody hangs here on the earth. I wish mama would come visit me. No, you don't. Mama's not here. Well, I'm going to sit and talk to her at the cemetery. Don't be, don't be doing crazy stuff like that because somebody might talk back to you, but it's a familiar spirit. Name mama. Name mama. Nobody hangs. You go one place or the other right away. Either heaven or hell. There's no hanging. Well, what? Yeah, but there's, see, those are familiar spirits. Those are demon spirits. Praise the Lord. We're interested in some stuff tonight, aren't we? Hallelujah. How do we get off on some of this? And you, he has quickened. Aren't you glad you've been made alive? You were dead. What caused you to be dead? Well, you were in trespasses and sins. So you were, in, you were dead spiritually, separated from God because you were in trespasses and sin. And so then it says in verse 5, well, verse 4 says, but God, but let's look at verse 5. Even when we were dead, even when we were dead in sins. So it's not talking about physical death. It's talking about spiritual death, which means to be separated from God. So people who are not born again, in one sense, are walking dead men. They're physically alive, but spiritually dead. So if you understand those terms, then you can understand some things in the Bible. It doesn't mean they're dead, they cease to exist. Uh, once someone is formed in the womb, they never cease to exist. I said, once someone is formed in the womb, once they get in the womb, they're someone forever. That's what the Bible teaches. I don't care what science teaches you, and I don't care what anybody else says. What the Bible says is what the Bible says, and that's the truth. And as a Christian, that's what you believe. Well, I don't believe that. What the Bible says as a Christian is what you believe. Well, I have my own. No, what the Bible says 
is what you believe. We don't get to make this stuff up as we go, and we don't change it based on the climate. Praise the Lord. Woo! So, we were dead. But aren't you glad you're alive? I believe everybody in the room's alive tonight. Are you alive? Are you born again? That's what made you alive. Breathing in and out didn't make you alive. Receiving Jesus made you alive. And he has quickened us together. So there's that word quickening again. So you've been made alive. You were dead, but now you're alive. You were a walking dead man, but now you're not a walking dead man anymore. You're alive unto God. You're alive unto God. How'd you get there? By grace, you are saved. Amen? Hallelujah. So then let's look at this back up to verse 4. Let's look at this. But God, thank God. Thank God, but God. Hallelujah. But God, who is rich in mercy. Thank God his mercies are new every morning. Mercy means you got something you didn't deserve. The Lord is compassionate, which is the desire to give aid and show mercy. And the Lord is rich in mercy. He's the father of mercies, the Bible says. He fathered it. Like the devil's the father of lies, God fathered mercy. It originated with him. And we need to be merciful people. What? For his great love wherewith he loved us. Let's look at Romans. Uh, chapter 5, verses 6, 7, and 8. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. How many of you were dead and you were ungodly? Verse 7. For scarcely for a righteous man someone will die. So somebody's good, I might die for him. Yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But you and I, we weren't there. Verse 8. But God. Everybody say, but God. There it is again. Commended his love toward us. He commanded, what is that love? That love is a love that's an everlasting love. That love is agape love, meaning you didn't do anything to deserve this, but I want to show you who I am. God is love. And while we were all together in love, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That is the love of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He, his, the love of God towards us was when while we were dead, we didn't do anything right, we weren't thinking about him, and while we were um, in a place where we weren't looking for him he went looking for us just like the prodigal son's father he's always looking he's always looking he's always looking y'all I love what Pastor Rhonda says my wife says in her redemption class I believe is where she says it maybe not maybe it's in love with I don't know I think it's redemption you know if God was really mad at humanity if God really wanted to punish us when Adam and Eve disobeyed he would have just left us alone. We were without hope. We were dead. Alive but dead. You know, there was so much life in Adam and Eve that it took them thousands of years to die. That's why everybody lived longer in the Old Testament. There was so much light and life in them. If God was mad at humanity... He would have just left them alone and not sent Jesus. That's why you and I as a believer, you know, I know they're squirrely. I know you can't count on them. I know they're going to make bad choices. But you can't ever stop loving them. 
Hate is of the devil. Saying things like they get what they deserve should never come out of a born-again believer's mouth. Because I don't want what I deserve. I don't want what I deserved. And just because we found him, and it was by the goodness and the mercy and the grace of God. It might have been because your grandmama or your mama or your daddy or your auntie or your somebody prayed for you. And God sent laborers across your path. But we de- they deserve for us to be those same kind of laborers. Come on, y'all. There's something happening. God is moving. People are starting to wake up. The righteous that have gone away are, are starting to wake, wake. They're waking back up to their righteousness. Some good things are happening, and we want to be a part of it. Amen. But can you see the love of God? Aren't you glad he loved you? That he sent Jesus? That love, that love that would never leave you alone, that tracked you down. Hallelujah. I was running hard from him, and he found me. He's so good. Amen. John 15, 13, we'll read this one again. Greater love is no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. So God, the greatest display of love was when Jesus came and he went after this. So we see that in the book of Ephesians. But that was a good introduction. So let's look at what I really want to get to tonight. All right, y'all good? Yeah. Hallelujah. Your kids don't have to go to school tomorrow. We can stay here all night. Hallelujah. Um, and he has quickened. Some of them got to get up and go to work. I get it. Who were dead in trespasses and sin. Wherein, so it's talking about dead and trespasses and sin, verse 1, Ephesians 2, 1. And you is quickened. Are you grateful? We're quickened. Who were dead in trespasses and sin, semicolon. Wherein, in times past, you walked according to the course of this world. So now he's talking about you and I before Christ. How do we walk? According to the prince of the power of the air. 2 Corinthians 4 and 4 calls Satan the god of this world, little g. Little g. How did Satan get to be the god of this world? I don't have a lot of time to go over it. But when Adam and Eve, uh, they turned it over to the devil. They did. If you study the word of God, go through a Bible Institute, our Believer's Authority class, uh, you'll figure that out, that Satan's the God of this world. Uh, when he tempted Jesus, he, Jesus, he told Jesus, all this has been given unto me. If you'll bow down and, and worship me, I'll give it to you. You will bypass that ugly cross mess. And Jesus didn't argue with him because there was no argument. Well, the devil's a liar. Well, in that case, he was tempting. It's not a real temptation unless it's a real temptation. Jesus came to get the keys back, and the devil said, if you'll bow down and worship me, I'll give all this to you, but you'll be under me. And he's like, get behind me, Satan. I'm going the way the Lord wants me to go. I'm going, this, I'm going the way the Father wants me to go. So the devil is the God of this world. It's not my God anymore. It's not your God anymore. But he is the God of a lot of people. 
They may not be Satan worshipers like you would think that they are, but there's two families on the earth. You're either one or the other. And that's it. Well, that's narrow. That's right. It's narrow. You either in or you out. But it's our job to get those that are out in. There is a judgment. Well, we either be judged with Jesus or the devil. And the only way you and I get to bypass that is because we're in Christ. Because we're born again. Our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. But there was a time that we walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. The spirit, he's a spirit, the devil is a spirit, that not, and all his demons and all those people, the principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this age, uh, you know, um, those with might, those with dominion uh, that are under the devil, those are the spirits that now work in the children of disobedience. Who is the children of disobedience? Well, primarily, it's talking about those who are not born again. Okay, verse number three among whom also we had our conversation in times past. Everybody say past. Don't let it be present. It's supposed to be in the past. In the lust of our flesh. And the desires of, and fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind. And we were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. So we were by nature children of wrath. Let's look at, so let's talk about nature. So you've heard me say this many times. So birds fly, fish swim, dogs bark, chase cars, and pee on my mailbox when they walk by, and cats meow. Why? Because that's their nature. That's their nature. So things do by nature of what they are. Things do by nature what they are. Before you knew Jesus, you had a fallen nature. And that nature was one of a sinner. And so sinners do what? No matter if you were a good sinner, a bad sinner, a moral sinner, uh, 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 what you thought was a sinless sinner, you were a sinner, and that's what you were. There was no way around it. That's your nature. The Bible deals in natures. Now in this, so that's it. That's why no one gets to go to heaven unless they have a nature change. So let's look at this. So can you see, can you see that before Jesus, you had a fallen nature? You had a, you had a father. Remember, Jesus told those people, he said, you're of your father, the devil. He was a liar from the beginning, and you all lying right now. That's what he said, Right? And he said, you're nothing but a bunch of whitewashed sepulchers full of dead men's bones. He wasn't always nice. He was right all the time. But sometimes you got to hit people with a wet towel. Hallelujah. So that's their nature. So by nature, uh, all those things are that. The only way to get a nature change is 2 Peter 1.4. When you get born again, it says, uh, it says we were partakers of the divine nature. 
See, we are, we are given this exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Remember the last one talked about in Ephesians again. It says, it says, um, uh, it says we were by nature children of wrath. And it says, in the times past, the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and our mind, because that was our nature. And here in Second Peter, it said that you might be protectors of the divine nature. And what do we do? Escape. Ooh, I like to escape. The corruption that is in the world through lust. So it's about nature. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24, Amplified Classic. And put on. So can you see that before Jesus... You had a fallen nature and sinner's sin, and I can't let it go because I bring it up every time. But I really, I know we're here in the South and everybody's been brought up, and, and I know what they mean, but I want you to ever, never say it. And I'm not telling you to correct anybody, and I just might get a t shirt so I don't have to tell anybody anymore. And you all kind of know where I'm going. I see some smirks in the room, and so you might as well say it. But please stop saying, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Please. That's not who you are. You were a sinner. And with that, you were, you had a fallen nature. And you ran into God's amazing grace. By grace, you are saved. But now, ooh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says that he who knew no sin became sin so that you could become somebody. What? You could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So talk right about yourself. Well, I don't feel holy. Yeah, but he who is holy made you holy. He who is righteous, he took your sin and he became sin so you could become somebody. It's not in you anymore. Well, I sinned, so, well, quit it. Now listen, if you mess up, don't run away from God, run to God. But you're, don't, don't identify yourself as a sinner. I mean, one of the things that's hard, way back so many years ago, I was uh, um, on this uh, talk show with somebody. And it was me and some other minister. And, and, and so I don't know if he ever watched me on t- the guy that was interviewing it, watched me. But it's almost like he said some of these things, because I think he did hear me preach. He almost said some things to get, my, to get me. And I just tried to give him the scripture back. And he just kept talking about himself, how he was a sinner, yet he's born again. And I just tried to work around it. But why is that such a big deal? Because if you say what you believe, it's going to lock you into your old nature. That's why this says, and put on the new nature. How do you put on the new, how do you put on spiritual clothes? With your tongue. I don't feel righteous. Well, don't talk about how you feel. Talk about who you are. That's just like saying, I feel sick. Well, sure you do. But if you want to be healed, you can say, by the stripes of Jesus, I have been healed. I'm broke. Well, that's a good way to stay broke. My God has supplied. Do you really believe all that stuff, preacher? I absolutely believe it because God said so. And if God can create with words and those words are in me and they come up out of me in faith, then yeah, they can create some stuff. They will create some stuff if I believe them. How do I put on my new nature? The regenerate self. So that means in some ways, even though it happened, that with your flesh and with your life, you're going to have to put some things on. Created in God's image. Are you grateful? 
godlike in true righteousness and holiness. So what do you got to do? You got to put it on. How do you put it on? Renew your mind. How do you put it on? Say what the word says about you. Amen. Come on, I'm going to tell somebody something. Uh, I mean, um, you need to get you somebody. Now, don't anybody, nobody has the right to go around correcting your words. Back in the day, we called them mouth monitors. No one has the permission to monitor your mouth except you and who you give. But you ought to give some people around you, one of your four crazy friends, maybe your spouse, because you're going to talk yourself into staying where God doesn't want you. You've got to talk yourself what the word says, and you've got to see yourself. And as you see yourself, because if you don't feel holy, but if you say, I'm holy because he made me holy. I'm righteous. I am the righteous of God. Don't, don't stop there. In Christ Jesus. You're not that in yourself. You're in Christ Jesus. All things have become passed away. Woo, hallelujah. Come on. <laughs> All right, Colossians 3.10. And put on the new man. Why do I got to put it on? Well, the Bible says to. Now, there gets a certain age when your children ought to be able to put on their own clothes. Amen. Right? Now, I know, you know, no, 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 no harm, fellas, but I know some of you, you need your wife to, to help make sure you wear things that match. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe that's not true. All right. Maybe you're good. Um, uh, I even still get, I ask, every once in a while, I ask Pastor Rhonda and Destiny, how does this look? And sometimes they're wrong, but, you know, <laughs> but they're, sometimes they're wrong, but <laughs> I mostly listen. Hallelujah. But nobody can put on the new man for you. Nobody except you. Put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge. So that a lot of, a lot of renewing of the mind. That tells me that if I don't renew my mind, I'm going to fall back into my old nature. And that's the nature of a sinner. That's the nature of... Of, not, of doing without what the Lord has provided for me. And um, I think this is my second time to say it, but I'm going to give her credit one more time. Um, Lynette Estrada, I love what she says about renewing of mind. She got it from Brother Hagen that said, you know, when it comes to thought in the mind that you can't keep a bird from flying over your head, but you can keep one from making a nest in your hair. And she says this about renewing the mind. So after this, I'm going to start taking credit for this myself. I gave her two. I only you normally give one. But she said this, and I love this. This is in uh, Kenneth's new book. Um, she said, your mind will stay renewed as much as your teeth will stay brushed. How many of you know we ought to brush your teeth? Once, twice, three times a day. And... After, you know, as a little child, you can help somebody brush their teeth, but you all are responsible for your own teeth. You're responsible for your own mind renewal. And, and I appreciate this Wednesday night, you can handle this. I appreciate that you come on Sunday morning faithfully. Appreciate that you come on Wednesday nights. But that is not enough to renew your mind. Especially in the world, the craziness that it is now. It's really not. 
just like your teeth touch food. <laughs> Some of us all day long, <laughs> you know, or whatever. Especially if you eat garlic, you should definitely brush your teeth, man. Definitely brush your teeth. And on the other hand, though, if you go out there, you need to renew your mind. And it's not automatic. Put on the new man. Let's look at it again. Colossians 3.10. Put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him. That See, this is the image you're supposed to get of you. It's right here. This is the mirror that reflects back to you who you are. That's what James says. This mirror, it's not just to look at it. I know a lot of times the mirror, people look at it and they say, well, this is wrong about me. And that's somewhat true. But I think what it's meant really is this is a reflection of who you are. So when I look in it, I'm reflected back the image of God. In Genesis, we were created in the likeness and the image of God. You shouldn't talk bad about you. You shouldn't hate you. You shouldn't hate anything about you. Don't even hate your body. You don't hate, why? Because that just means that, that, that you have a wrong image of you. And I understand what I'm talking about. I, I've hated myself more than once. But once you get in him and you get the right reflection, it's not in me, it's in him. Amen. Romans 13, 14. You see all these scriptures? Put you on the Lord Jesus Christ. So when I do that, what am I doing? I am, I am getting rid of the old nature. I'm not letting it crop back up. I'm not saying I'm just a sinner. I'm putting on the new nature. I'm putting it on. How am I putting it on? I'm renewing my mind. I'm renewing my mind. I'm washing my mind with the word of God. I'm speaking who I am. I'm declaring who I am. I'm going to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And when I do, then there's no provision for the flesh. No provision. What is provision? Food. I was doing something the other day. I was, I don't know what it was. It was. You don't need to know what it was. But the Lord said to me, that's the wrong food. It's the wrong food. You're providing your flesh. You're providing for your flesh. You know, and you know that old thing, you know, the two wolves or dogs or whatever they are. Whichever one you feed is going to win. So he said, Make no provision for the flesh. So what do I got to provide for? I got to put on the new nature. I, I got to provide who I am in Christ. I got to wash my mind with the word of God. Why? Because if I don't, then I'm going to fulfill the lust of my flesh, just like I had a fallen nature. But we don't have to do that. Amen? We have a new nature. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, are you in Christ? Then you're a what? You're a new creation. You're a brand new man. The old nature has done what? Passed away. Don't long for it. Don't go visit it. Don't put any flowers on that tombstone. Leave it alone. The old you is what? Dead. What? Behold, all things are new. Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless... I'm alive. I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave him so. So I, I'm, I, I've been crucified with Christ. I, I had an old nature, but I got born again. But, but God, with the love wherewith he loved me, it is by grace through faith that I got born again. 
I, I was this old man. I was a sinner. I ran into God's amazing grace. I ran into his love. I believed that Jesus was raised from the dead. And when I did, I touched something. What did I touch? I've been raised together with him. And I've been seated in heavenly places far above every principality, power, might, and dominion, every name that's been given a name. Hallelujah. Today I can rule and reign in Christ Jesus. I am a king on the earth because I serve the king of kings, the Lord of Lord, lords. I'm going to reign in this life by one Jesus Christ. I am a new creation. I am a new creation. I have been accepted into the beloved. I am the head and not the tail. I am above and not beneath. I always win. I always win. I always win. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even my faith, because I'm in Christ Jesus and seated far above. Far above. Far above. Listen, y'all, sometimes when life gets hard and we're down in the muck and the mire of it, you need to remember, I'm seated above this. And you need to renew your mind and get back into your position and seated at the table in the very presence of your enemies because that's where you win. If the devil can get you up out of your seat, if he can get you fussing about everything that everybody else is fussing at and looking at, then he's going to distract you. And he hunts like a lion. And who always gets eaten? The distracted ones. The one, the herd's already moved on and they're just there eating their little grass and the next thing you know, their lunch. The devil's a lot of things and idiot is not one of them. Well, I know he couldn't have been too smart if he thought he could whip Jesus and, and rebel against God. But my point is, he's been deceiving humanity for a very long time. And we're not going to be deceived by him. In this hour that we live in, these are some of the keys to living victorious. Amen. Come on, everybody said, I'm seated far above. Woo. Every once in a while, you might just need to look at your feet. He's under there. Keep him there. Amen. We'll see you Sunday, either 9 or 11. God bless you.